Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. For me, bringing in a culture, right now it's just getting acclimated and getting to know the guys. Um, you know, there's some guys here that know me. There's some guys that don't. So I'm um, getting to know them as much as I can, doing my best to memorize names, um, and then just bringing energy, bringing, you know, going out there and playing and helping them and getting to know them on and off the field. That's the big thing. Uh, just being a part of the team that cares for one another is the biggest. So uh, I knew when I was coming here and we agreed to the trade and the restructure of the contract, being with Coach Nagy again, I know I know him as a human being and what culture he brings and the history of, you know, Andy Reid's tree and stuff like that to where um, I had an idea from what it would be like when I got here. And then I also asked guys who played for the Bears and, you know, had great things to say. So I was excited to be a part of helping um, in any way possible. That's Nick Foles. Conference call this week. He is your presumptive Bears starter. Let's talk some Bears. We always talk quarterbacks because they haven't gotten it right yet. Ryan Pace never gets it right. So we'll get right to it with J.J. Stangovitz of NBC Sports Chicago. He joins us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. J.J., I believe that Nick Foles is going to be the starter because he lets Matt Nagy use more of his playbook than the um, – slow learning, slow developing Mitch Trubisky. Does that make any sense to you or has that been dispelled somehow in this this time of not practicing? Well, nothing has been dispelled, Steve, because we haven't seen anyone out on the practice field. So <laughs> I think everything's probably on the, the table here. But I will say as for Foles, you know, he, he said he's it's been really quick picking up the, the offense. Uh, here in Chicago, because you know there will be plays that Nagy will, you know, show him in the playbook, or they'll they'll even you know do in some in a walkthrough setting, and he'll be like, oh yeah, I remember you know we did something similar in Philadelphia. Uh, here's how you know we can run it here. So I'm not really worried about Foles picking up the offense. It's more what what are the Bears going to do to try to tailor the offense to Mitch Trubisky, and I think that's probably the biggest question that I need to see answered from when practices begin in earnest in mid-August is, you know, if Mitch Trubisky can't run Matt Nagy's offense, then how do you really conduct a quarterback competition with essentially two different offenses? So I think with Foles here, knowing the Nagy offense, it's going to probably mean that Mitch is, it's going to be more that Mitch is going to have to fit the Nagy offense, not 
that Nagy will go and try to fit what Mitch can do. So I think that benefits Foles in this whole thing. But I will say that there might be something to the idea that the Bears just kind of go with the status quo to start the season um, and then quickly into it uh, make a change to Nick Foles. Yeah, JJ, and I've been more on that. I've been more, if people ask me, I, I say, yeah, it's probably going to be Mitchell Trubisky's status quo and what you just laid out. But yesterday, one thing I still can't get past is when Foles went through all the assistance on the Bears. He talked about Bill Lazor in 2013, John Filippo in 2017 and 2019, Matt Nagy in 2012 and 2016 and then Foles goes on to say they've seen me in games they know what I'm like in games and I thought to myself how in the world does Mitchell Trubisky compete with this when you would think all the votes would go to Nick Foles on that coaching staff yeah you know it's uh it's really interesting because when when the Bears went about figuring out their, their quarterbacks this offseason and figuring out who to bring in, you know, either to supplant Trubisky or, or compete with Trubisky. Uh, it, it, it was a really interesting strategy to go with Foles in that they have so many guys in the building who would work with them, like you just rattled off there, Mark. And when Ryan Pace talks about having conviction in a guy, uh, he's had conviction in Mike Glennon, he's had conviction in Mitch Trubisky, now he's had conviction in Nick Foles. And I wrote a little bit about this on NBCSportsChicago.com yesterday that this might be different because it's not just Ryan Pace and you know his scouting staff that have conviction in the guy. It's Ryan Pace and then a bunch of guys who have worked with Nick Foles. So that might lead this to work out better if you're looking at this glass half full. If you're looking at a glass half empty, you know Nick Foles hasn't thrown over 200 passes in a season since 2015. He he does not have the longevity during a regular season that we've seen out of other guys who could come in and potentially start uh, who are available this offseason. So it, it uh, it's going to be really interesting how that all plays out, but I do think it benefits Foles that he has existing relationships with not only Nagy, but Filippo and Laser and Filippo especially. I mean, he, he was the quarterback coach when Foles was Super Bowl MVP with the Eagles. So I, I think that'll that'll help him out, whereas Mitch only has relationships with Matt Nagy and Dave Ragone, and those two guys have had a front-row seat to all the struggles he has had over the last couple of years. We're talking with J.J. Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago. He covers the Bears, and he's on the score with me and Mark Grody. So when you heard when Mitch Trubisky is talking about working with a tutor, a quarterback tutor, talking about changing his mechanics for the first time, were you surprised, shocked? Is it about time or is this progress? And every time a guy talks about changing his mechanics, he always turns to crap in a game. And we, we saw that all the time with Jay Cutler. What did you think when you first heard it and what does it mean? I, I don't, I, I didn't make as big of a deal about it as, you know, I saw some on Twitter wondering like, wait, he never changes mechanics at all. Um, I, I do think, it's not necessarily that he needs to change his mechanics. He needs to just tighten them up and not allow them to get sloppy toward the end of games, which we saw, you know, as games went on over the last couple of years, Mitch's mechanics were, they would get sloppy. And that is something that to me, that's the more important thing here. Not that he needs to completely change everything up. And, you know, Jeff Christensen is going to be the savior. I, I have to 
say I, I view these personal quarterback coaches with a lot of skepticism. Um, that's probably just coming from my background covering college football where, you know, every other year Notre Dame would have a quarterback who went and worked out with this, you know, heralded uh, quarter, you know, personal quarterback coach. And, oh, my God, it's going to, you know, look at the guys this guy works with. It's going to turn him into the next great quarterback. And he'd come back and be basically the same guy. So I, I don't put a ton of stock into that. What matters is what Mitch does at Hall, not what he does outside Hall. Well, and then to add on to that too, JJ, I I wondered and talked about earlier on the show today is does does Mitchell Trubisky really need another voice in his ear? Because it seems like he's been slammed with voices since the second he walked into the to the to Hallis Hall. It's a good question, Mark. Um, that you know when Mitch. When Matt Nagy arrived specifically, you know, they formed this quarterback triumvirate of Matt Nagy, Mark Helfrich, and Dave Ragone. And on top of that, you had Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray, two guys who are experienced in this offense in Kansas City and in Philadelphia to an extent with Chase Daniel. And that that maybe created the too-many-cooks-in-the-kitchen type deal. It seemed like they, they were just trying everything they could to build up this foundation around Mitch. Um, and I, I don't know if that really wound up being counterproductive, but I do think that, you know, this year they basically tried to go out and do the same thing with, you know, just different voices. And I do think bringing in John Filippo is a, a really encouraging move for the Bears. Like, if they are going to fix Mitch Trubisky, I think John Filippo is a pretty good bet to do it. Uh, just given what he did in Philadelphia – you know, when a couple of years ago when the Bears were looking for a new head coach and John Filippo was on their radar, I remember talking to some people around the Eagles who said, like, man, like Filippo, he's really like the, the mastermind of how they managed to get Nick Foles, uh, you know, to become Super Bowl MVP and, and how they got Carson Wentz to be an MVP candidate that year. Turned out Frank Reich had maybe a pretty big hand in it with the success he's had with the Colts. But uh, I, I do think that, you know, he, he's a very good quarterback coach who should be able to get the most out of Trubisky. What that is, I don't know. I don't know if that's enough for Mitch to start. But I do think that he, he can be a really important voice in this uh, that maybe will stand out among a lot of other voices. Talking with J.J. Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago, talking Bears here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. Saturday suckage. So let's discuss... The always enthusiastic Matt Nagy. We're going to freaking get after it in this training camp. We're going to be a tough football team. Well, last year, he made made it a point to talk about we're going to get these guys all calloused up. And the Bears were a lousy team on third and short. They were called soft. They've now made it a mantra they're going to be a tough football team. How, in an age of limited physical practices, and practices limited by a virus that is going around, and 12 to 14 guys crashing into each other on every play, how does Matt Nagy and the Bears accomplish this? <laughs> that's, that's a really good question, Steve. Um, but, you know, I think we've, we've got to know Matt Nagy over the last couple of years here as someone who is relentlessly positive. And, you know, you could give him, a, a, you know, absolutely nothing and he would try to turn it into something positive because that's just how his, his mind works and that's his mentality. 
Um, so, yeah, him saying, you know, we're going to freaking get after it and, you know, the, the lack of preseason games, oh, well, you know, can't worry about that. And uh, I think he, he's a good coach to have in a very, very unprecedented situation here. But, it, it, I mean, the other thing, too, is that all other NFL teams are going to be working under the same guidelines and restrictions. So it's not like last year where, you know, the Bears did go hard in some practices but didn't play the starters in preseason games, which is a different beast in terms of physicality. Um, now this year everyone's not having the benefit of that. So it's going to be more of a level playing field. I don't think it'll negatively impact the Bears to begin the 2020 season because if it's going to negatively impact the Bears, it's so too will the Lions and the Buccaneers and the Colts and the Falcons and some of these teams that the Bears do play early in the season. Trubisky yesterday, back to him, J.J., he was asked a, a couple of times in a couple couple of different ways about his, his number one nemesis, and that is reading defensive coverages. Were you satisfied with the answers that he gave and re- I mean did they I guess I should say it like this did they sound any different from anything that he has said in the past in terms of getting that part of his game right not really Mark <laughs> um, you know it, it's one of those things where whatever Mitch says about that okay that's, that's that's great you know you can say all the right things in a zoom press conference but are you actually going out and doing it on the field there right. there's so much for him to prove uh you know, when he actually does get out on the field and does play in practices and games that will determine if he should be the Bears' starting quarterback or not. And, and his ability to read coverages is going to be right up there and, and make those adjustments on the fly. Uh, I, I don't put a ton of stock into what he says about that. Just, you know, because it, we, we haven't seen it. Even if we had OTA practices and we had minicamp practices, to look at him and be like, all right, you know, in these kind of seven-on-seven shells, is he going going about there and, you know, making, you know, hitting completions and not getting picked off and making the right reads in the red zone? You know, you can sort of tell that. But I, I have absolutely no idea right now. So I, I think there, there needs to be some tempering of anything that is said about on-field work right now because we haven't seen these guys on the field. Yes, and who knows when or how. Um, JJ, we appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, joining us today. And you have you have some homework. By the time by the next time we ask you to come on, you have to have researched which teams have had a quarterback open quarterback competition and then won the Super Bowl that season. Matt Nagy was talking about you name a starter, you obviously want that starter in a perfect world to be able to go win a Super Bowl. So this is coming off an open competition. So we don't normally assign homework on this show, but you've earned the opportunity to come get a gold star when you can list all of the teams that have had an open quarterback. I can't believe I'm saying this. This is just so bears. Hi, we don't know what to do with quarterbacks. We're going to have an open quarterback competition, and then we're going to win the Super Bowl because nobody else has ever done it. Or maybe. Do you happen to know all well, okay. JJ? I, let me let me just throw out a couple teams. I don't think it was year one, but year two with the Seahawks. Um, you know, by then Russell Wilson had beat out Matt Flynn and gone on to win a Super Bowl. But that was we're talking about a young guy in year one or year two uh, 
this is a different competition than I think some other teams might characterize competitions in terms of a draft pick versus a veteran. This is just a veteran versus a veteran. And I think you're probably right, Steve. There probably aren't many op- examples or any examples. <laughs> You'll get back to us on that, won't you? I will. Thank you. All right. JJ, always good to visit with you. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Yep. You have a good one. JJ Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago, the ongoing story, Bears quarterback competition. So we're going to change sports right now, and we're uh, the Blackhawks are about to drop the puck. We are about to talk with Jay Zawoski, scores hockey expert. The NHL, Mark, is is their playoffs are underway rangers and hurricanes are playing this is one of i think 18 hockey games today in the two bubbles in toronto and edmonton the hawks are coming up at two o'clock and it's five game series against the oilers and there's no reason to think the hawks can't win or there are reasons to think the hawks can win. I guess I should put it that way. Is they Corey are, Crawford a go today? Is he start? Is he starting? Well, if he's not, then we we all have our afternoons free. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume he is. I just yes. needed to hear it. I just need to hear that he's starting. I've not seen confirmation, but I'm sure Jay will have it when he comes on. So we'll take a break. We'll all come right. back. We'll get confirmation from Jay Zawoski, and uh, we'll do it on the score. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast he's a uh, expert he's uh, he follows the hockey he follows the baseball he does he follows the food too he's the jay zawoski welcome into saturday suckage Hawks are about to start the playoffs. You didn't think they'd be in the playoffs when last we saw them play actual hockey. They didn't deserve to be in the playoffs.
playoffs. They were the last place team in their division. But here they are. Miraculously, 24 teams were chosen. And what were the chances that the 23rd and 24th teams would be heritage teams, Montreal, Lake Canadian, and the Blackhawks? That's just the way it worked out. And the last, one of the two last teams in is going to be one of the first teams on NBC today. The Hawks will play the Oilers in game one of their five-game series. So we, uh, we on the score here are calling on our score hockey maven. He is Jay Zawoski joining us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. And the first thing, Jay, is thank you for joining us. And Mark needs to know, is Corey Crawford the starting goaltender right now? Is it official? Is he there? Is he skating around working <laughs> up ice in the crease? Well, from my view here in the bubble, a.k.a. my basement storage room, uh, I don't see Corey Crawford, uh, but I do think he's going to get the start. I don't know anything more than anybody else, um, but it does seem like, you know, just the way that uh, Jeremy Calton's been playing Coy and the way they've been saying, oh, you know, Corey, he can get ready pretty fast. And the fact that he started the exhibition game and came out of it well and looked pretty good, I think Corey Crawford at 60% is more reliable than... Callan Delia or Malcolm Subban at this point, so I think it's a no-brainer that he gets to start. Is it Delia or Subban as the primary backup then? Uh, I don't know. I guess you, if I had to say, I would say uh, Subban because he got the second half of the game against the Blues last week. Okay. So that I mean, just kind of using that logic, they probably want to give their number one and number two a pretty decent look. And you should always do that. And if there's a problem, call your doctor. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that Subban is probably the will be the backup goalie today. These, what, there is a Stanley Cup true fact that the first game of any playoff series is the easiest to win. Teams don't know each other as well as they will by the end. There's not much hate. Built <laughs> Wait up. a minute. That doesn't make any sense. How can it be? How can game win. one be? E- what? Well, then that can't it's be always true. Been because there's no hate. There's no emotion. No, but there's, but no there's fear two of teams. Being eliminated. For the team that loses, it wasn't easy to win. That doesn't it make is, any mathematical it? sense. It is. <laughs> Thank I don't you, need Jay. Mathematical sense. It's a true. How Stanley is it easier to win game one? Okay, here's some math for you. <laughs> okay. When, when Jeremy Colleton took over the Blackhawks from Jake, uh, Joel Quinville, they won three of the first 17 games. And then when all is the excuses good? went away, and he got his training camp, and he got to implement his system, and he got to be got to be the coach and it was his team they won three of their first 12 games this season mm-hmm. so there's your math coaching yeah. might matter more in this chaotic kind of situation how dangerously bad could Colleton be to the Hawks chances I still after what now it amounts to probably a hockey season plus of Jeremy Calton's tenure as Blackhawks head coach I still don't know what his actual coaching philosophy is. Like you mentioned, when he had his chance to implement his system early this year, uh, the system sucked. And they literally called him up after a loss to the horrific, at the time, San Jose Sharks, and said, "Uh, look, JC, uh, you need to change this, or else you won't have a job anymore. Uh, And he went back to the system that gave them some success last year, and all of a sudden they got hot, they got close to a playoff spot, and also, just like last year, as soon as they got within sniffing distance of a playoff spot, they absolutely fell apart. So, I don't know. I don't know which is the actual Jeremy Calton system. Here's something I will say, though, in praise of Jeremy Calton. He plays the people that deserve to play. 
Maybe they're not played in the right situation, like Dominic Kubelik, who spent too much time on the third line and off the power play for a lot of the season. But he looked at Brent Seabrook and didn't default to Brent Seabrook because he's Brent Seabrook with three Stanley Cups. He said, you are not one of our seven or eight best defensemen. You're not making the trip. That takes some balls to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give him credit on that. However, I still just, I don't have any confidence in him. I, I don't know how to feel about him. Because I don't know what's real. I don't know what's really him. I don't know who's pulling the strings on what he's doing. And until I have an answer on that, it's really hard to say. But, but Steve, like you said, to make my long answer extra long, um, you know, when he's been given the opportunity to, okay, here it is, now implement, it almost never works <laughs> until somebody interferes and, and, and kind of rejiggers everything. So I really can't tell you if Jeremy Cowan's a good coach or not, and that to me is a little bit troubling. Well, and and I guess this is where we find out in this series and and what will what will he implement as you said or how will he go about so let's just let's just narrow it down to Connor McDavid. What what is the plan against him? Do you try to outscore them? Do you have a special defense? I guess when teams are containing Connor McDavid, what are they doing? Well, you have to put your best defensive forwards up against him, and I think that's why you're going to see Jonathan Taves shadowing Connor McDavid the entire series. And while I have confidence in Taves can do a decent job in slowing down Connor McDavid, the problem with that is that Jonathan Taves' offense then probably suffers a little bit, right? You're not going to see him focusing on scoring. You're going to see him focusing on preventing to get scored on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that your extra guys, your you know your Patrick Kane's, your Kirby Docks, those guys who will not be playing up there with Jonathan Taves are going to need to take on some of the load offensively. However, if Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are separated, which is a pretty good chance, um, someone's going to have to contend with Leon Draisaitl, who's another really awesome hockey player, not the household name that Connor McDavid is, but Draisaitl's right there with him in points, right there with him in power play points, uh, and he's a threat too. Uh, Kirby Dock actually had some success against Dreisaitl this year, believe it or not. And if you watch the exhibition game against the Blues on, uh, what day was that, Thursday, Wednesday, whatever day it was, uh, you saw Kirby Doc on the penalty kill and actually doing pretty well. I heard an interview with Stan Bowman this morning where he said the time is now to get these young players more involved, talking about Doc, talking about Boquist, uh, obviously Dominic Kublik, Dylan Strom, Alex DeBrinkett. Look for those guys to have elevated roles uh, in however long these playoff series are and going forward, it sounded like from Stan Bowman's mouth that they're ready to sort of look to the future here. So, and that looks like that's starting in this series. Our guest is Jay Zawoski, scores hockey expert. We're talking about the Blackhawks who top of the hour, they will drop the puck on their playoff series. Best of five against the Oilers in Edmonton, but It's not really much of a home ice advantage. It might be their ice, and it might be the fastest in the league, but there's no fans cheering them on. And in some ways, that might benefit the Oilers more than than you think because there's just so much extra pressure. No Canadian team has won a cup since 93. That was the Canadians, and Patrick Waugh was in goal, and it's it's been so much pressure since then. One of the things the Oilers do is skate like hell. And one of the problems the Blackhawks have is being slow as hell on defense. (laughs) So how, besides forwards coming back, how do they, how do the the Hawks manage to, at five on five, where the Oilers aren't particularly good, but they're still fast, how do they manage to contain that, Jay? 
I think you said it, forwards coming back. Um, you know, you see the Hawks against a slower, more typical NHL team, uh, maybe cheating up a little more uh, and, you know, trying to get out of the zone and start those breakouts. When McDavid's on the ice, the Hawks are going to have to uh, sit back and just basically try not to get scored on. And I know that's that's not <laughs> ideal, and he's going to be hey, out there, there a go. lot. Hey, but things have suck. changed. Well, <laughs> look, but you, you mentioned it, though. You mentioned it, that at 5-on-5, five five, the Oilers are nothing special. The Hawks and Oilers at 5-on-5 five five are very similar teams. The Oilers make their hay with their dynamic power play. The best since, I think, 1979 is what I heard. The best power play in hockey since 79 when goalies were wearing, like, literal pillows on their legs and uh, <laughs> they have, like, <laughs> nothing on their face. Helmets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's saying something. In the era of big goalies and, and hulking defensemen, that they've got a power play that good. But at 5-on-5, five five, the Hawks can hang with them a little bit. They do have some defensemen with speed. Uh, Adam Boquist is one of those guys. Uh, you know, I think, and Duncan Keith is obviously still pretty fast for a guy of his age. Um, so it's not, it's not total slowness. Slater Cuckoo is probably average in speed. You know, Dahan and Mata are probably a step slow, especially Mata might be the slowest defenseman in hockey. Um, but I think it's just going to be creative line matchups. They're going to have to just keep Mata off the ice when McDavid's out there. And look, the Oilers as the home team for the first couple games have, the last change. So they're going to be able to cherry pick their matchups. The Hawks are going to have to do as good as they can at changing on the fly. That's something Joel Quenville was really, really good at. And uh, it sort of remains to be seen how Jeremy Cowan's going to handle that. Well, and then this whole thing just came full, full circle now because, and, and what I was going to ask you, Jay, was other than puck luck, is there any place where the Blackhawks have an advantage or where you could foresee them actually winning this series beyond the, the breaks that happen in hockey every single year. And then it, 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 you kind of answered it, though, by saying creativity and line changes, and that's on Jeremy Colleton. So is that the answer, coaching like crazy? Is that the only way the Blackhawks can win this series? Or are there matchups that the Blackhawks have that are better than Edmonton? Well, here's something, Mark. You know, the Hawks have been criticized over the last decade plus. I mean, even when they were winning, it's not being an overly physical team. That could actually work to their advantage in the series because they're not going to be chasing after hits. They're not going to be trying to force the physicality. That's just not their style. It never has been. So if they can stay out of the penalty box, they can certainly win this series. And here's why I think so. Yes, Edmonton has McDavid. Yes, Edmonton has Dry Settle. They've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, they've got a lot of good players on that team. But you, the Blackhawks... While they don't have high-end talent to match the Oilers, I think depth-wise, they're a little bit better, especially up front. You've got Saad. You've got Dabrinkit. You've got Strom. You've got Doc. You know, you've got Dominic Kublik, who scored, oh yeah, 30 goals and looked like he had not missed a game, not missed a beat in that exhibition game against the Blues. He was one of the best players on the ice. So the Hawks have dynamic offensive talent uh, on a number of lines that I think Jeremy Cowan, as you can see in the line matchups, and we don't know what they're going to be when the game starts, but what we saw in the game is he's trying to spread out that scoring. So three of those four lines are a legitimate threat to score. And I think, you know, again, staying out of the box is going to be key. And when the Hawks do get an opportunity on the power play, they've got to score on those. Those can be kind of the equalizer between, you know, if, if one team feels a little bit better than the other, if you have a successful power play against them, that can be that can draw you closer, and that can be a difference maker in the series. So we'll see. They're saying that the young guys are going to be, uh, you know, Sam Bowman said today, the the young players are going to be used more. I want to see Doc in front. I want to see Kubalik in front. I want to see Boquist on the point, moving the puck. Get those young, dynamic, offensive talents out on the ice in uh, in those power play situations. 
We're talking with Jay Zawoski, score hockey expert, not whore, score hockey expert. Eh, that too. The, the, maybe so. Um, Very cheap. The, when you put it that way and you talk about the young players, the Hawks should approach it, maybe Hawks management looks at it, like a no-lose situation. If we lose this playoffs, we're going to throw the kids out there. They're going to get a new-look Kirby Doc, who suddenly this was the guy you would have expected to show up next season when they talk about a physical growth followed by a game growth and experiential growth. That's what Kirby Doc looks like now, and we're mm-hmm. going to see it in, in the playoffs. I would throw the young kids out there as much as possible, give them the experience. The worst thing that happens is I get a 12.5% chance at Alex Lafreniere. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> I think they're in a great, great situation for playing who cares hockey and playing. If you want to, if you want to play pond hockey with the Oilers, they might be faster, but they're going to make mistakes at five on five. I think that's a great situation for them. I think the Hawks are looking at it the same way, and obviously they can't just come out and say like, "Look, we never thought we'd be here. This is amazing. We're just gonna, we don't even care if we win." But I think there is a little bit of that. Like, look, the veteran players say like, "All right, this is an unexpected chance at us." to try to win something here while the Hawks brass probably more wisely are looking at it as a developmental situation. Like, look, let's get these guys out here. They, they have this unique experience that they weren't going to have to get real playoff experience, uh, get them out there, use them. And look, it's not even that big of a stretch. Kirby doc is one of your better, better players. Adam Boquist is one of your better defensemen. And yeah, we haven't seen him on a big stage like the playoffs yet, but you look at the tool set and you look at the flashes that Adam Boquist has had this season, and I'm not worried about him being out there any more than I am Oli Mata or, you know, uh, Slater Cuckoo. I, I get the kid out there, develop him, and see what he can do. And uh, I, I, I think you're totally right, Steve. It's win-win. They either win a playoff series and then have an actual playoff series uh, next round, or they have a 12.5% chance at the number one overall pick. And just watch this, by the way. <laughs> watch the Hawks beat the Oilers, and the Oilers win the draft lottery. No. <laughs> oh my God. You know that's going to happen. You know that's happening. <laughs> you know, if it were Montreal, I would say that because the league would want to rig it for one of the heritage teams. And I could see what they want to rig it for the Blackhawks, like they'd want to rig it for Montreal. Yeah. But Edmonton in Canada has that, they have that cachet. And it was Gretzky and Curry and Coffee and Anderson and Messier and, and all of that. Ago. But it was, it was not, they're not the Canadians or the Leafs. They're not one of the the hood ornaments that American networks understand. So I, they would really have to take an actual luck for that to happen. But I could see the Hawks getting the rigged election if they lose to the Oilers. Boy, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was player to come in. So, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like what you're implying, by the way, Steve, that there is some sort of uh conspiracies and sports and some things are not done on the up and up. I don't, I don't like what you're implying, sir. Welcome to that's, Chicago, son. That's very unlike your character. To think <laughs> yes, that <way>. it is. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what what's appropriate? Let's let's call on the Jay Zawoski, who is half of the um, I'm Fat podcast. And this playoffs like no other. So is there a food stuff or there are there apps? Are there meals? Is there yes. a different eating protocol in this Stanley Cup playoffs? In fairness, I'm like two-fifths of the I'm Fan podcast. There are only two of us, but Rick has a little bit of a lead advantage on that. <laughs> um, I will be, I think it's going to be uh, maybe some popcorn and chips, you know, the salty stuff. 
to get you through. I'm doing a live podcast after the game on the Madhouse podcast. Thanks for throwing the plug out there for me. Um, so if you want to uh, watch the podcast with me and James Navo, download the Hot Mic app, H-O-T-M-I-C, and use the promo code Madhouse, and you can watch me and James do a live post-game podcast after the game. But, oh, yes, hell yes, during the game I'll be snacking. That's what I do when I'm nervous or tired. Or wait. Well, I know. I didn't know if or... there were snacking procedures or practices <laughs> that needed to be changed. Now, uh, it's it, you know, it will depend on how the game's going. You know, if things are going well, I can get a little more, like I get a little sweeter. Things are going bad, a little bit saltier. You know, your my palate changes oh. with my mood. I'm like a human hey, mood ring. Jay, I have to. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I might have to food issue ring. an on-air apology. I might have to issue an on-air apology to you. I'm oh. not sure. I I do a podcast too. It's called Let Me Put a List Together. As long as we're plugging podcasts here, and mm-hmm. we on our latest list we did top 12 fast foods. And I was on with Lawrence, and he asked me. He said, Why didn't you, you know, consult with the I'm Fat podcast about this? And I thought I just told him. I said, Look, I honestly I was intimidated by those guys. Like with a food topic, <laughs> I didn't feel like I felt very submissive about it. I didn't. I felt ashamed, and I wasn't sure if you'd thought that we were stealing from you guys. So no, I'm we... sorry if it feels that way. <laughs> yes, we are the first people ever to talk about food. <laughs> right. Do and not. we're the we're, and we're the first people to put to do a show that contains list making. <laughs> how dare you how dare you steal our bit of food conversation? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm no, so and sorry. you're allowed and uh, look, other podcasts are allowed to uh, to have opinions on food without consulting us. But if you ever need Rick or I, we would be happy Rick or me, Rick or I, Steve, Rick or me, need Rick, Rick or me. need me, Rick or yeah. me. Yeah. Um yep. Feel free to reach out, and, and uh, I'll, I'll be sure our people will be sure one of us is available. I appreciate okay. that means a lot. That means a lot. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Thank you. And your next so list can it, be the the twelve biggest podcast snubs of all time. There you so go. You can just say, <laughs> there you go. We yes. know what number one yes. will be. Yep. So if I'm if I'm rooting here, and I am. I mean, sports is good for us. So the Blackhawks advancing is really good for us. Blackhawks getting Lafreniere would be better for them long term, but I'm thinking short term. I would really love an empty rink and a Columbus Blue Jackets Florida Panthers playoff <laughs> series with John Tortorella and Joel Quenville, the two biggest potty mouths in the league, throwing stuff out with live mics. I want that. Can we get that, that somehow? Well, that would be fun. I mean, to see those two in a conference final just swearing at each other uh, left and right and, and Joel with his crotch grabbing and... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the 12 days. What is it? The night before Christmas? And yeah. me and my kerchief and Joel with his crotch grabbing. Crotch grabbing. <laughs> Joel. Yeah. Or an opening I mean, act of Lollapalooza that Mark Rohde's going to mention in next week's podcast. Oh, that yes. sounds fun. Yeah, I would uh, I, yeah, just, I root for chaos. That's what I root for. Yeah. So bring it on. I don't care what it is. Bring it on. It, uh, wait, aside from the chaos of like the entire league getting COVID. That's the kind of chaos I'm not rooting for. Um, but as far as like sports chaos goes, absolutely. Give me the least appealing Stanley Cup final the ratings can think of. But the they've they've done this the NBA way. You you want to believe this is the smarter way to do it, having seen what foot what college football's done. They have no clue. No. Baseball is now. Uh, we don't have an update other than what we gave you before about six Cardinals personnel being coming up positive and what the Marlins did. So they seem to have even avoided strip clubs in um, in Edmonton, which puts them 
Well, you know, the Stanley Cup has been to more strip clubs than apparently players in Edmonton in that bubble. The, well, it's tough because Edmonton is a renowned stripper uh, stripper city. Everyone knows that the Edmonton strip clubs are right up there with Vegas, one and two. Well, you have nothing else to do there, <laughs> so you're not going to. I don't go even to the know mall. if you're being serious or no, not. No, I'm not being no serious. Idea. I'm no, not I, being serious. I, I but, have uh, no idea. But, but the you Stanley know. Cup, the Oilers brought the Stanley Cup to a strip joint, a peeler bar, as they call them in Canada. Oh, I like that. a peeler bar. Yeah. A peeler, peeler bar. bar. That's peel awesome. Peel their clothes off. That's, peeler it's bar. so much more Peter, polite. It's Peter. Peter is a peeler bar. <laughs> but I have to so say, it's it, more it, polite. It caught me off guard. Uh, and when J- James and I in the Madhouse podcast were sort of talking about a potential return to play pan- plan way before this all happened, we're like, no way is the NHL going to be the league to innovate and to do it correctly. And I'll be damned, they have really knocked this out of the park. From, you know, the return to play system. Oh, and by the way, in the process, they pounded out a new CBA. Um, the bubble in Canada seems really, really well thought out, well planned. Uh, they had zero positive tests so far, which is great. Uh, and I mean, the fact that it's in Canada is helpful because that's a nation that's taking it seriously and not making it political. Um, I think the NHL, to, to my absolute surprise, mm-hmm. has done an excellent job putting this thing together. And the arenas look awesome, too. They put up like the cool lighting and video boards and the scaffolding. And I was watching the uh, Hurricanes and Rangers before it came on. The crowd noise they're using sounds appropriate. Uh, they've done a terrific job. I think fans are going to be really pleased uh, at 2 o'clock when they turn on Hawks Oilers to see how good of a job, if they've not seen it yet, the league has done. Until Connor McDavid goes around one of the Hawks defensemen, yeah, they'll be pleased. All right. Yeah, Jay, it's we- going to happen probably a couple times. Yeah, but they yeah. do a good job on McDavid. If they can keep that up, they got a shot to win this series. Yes, Jay, sir. appreciate it. Always Anytime. love talking with you. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, thank Later, you for buddy. having me. I appreciate it. Hey, Mark? Yeah, Bears. Jay. Bears. Bears. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Bears. Okay. Bears. Time to eat. Time to Bears. eat. All right. It's Jay Zawoski. He scores hockey expert. And uh, he was uh, – that was it. And the Hawks are going to play in a little while. And uh, – NHL's getting it right. We'll take a break. When we come back, Saturday suckage rolls on till the top of the hour. We suck so you don't have to. Looking at you, baseball. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Brody with you. Saturday suckage. Updating a couple things. Several things that we've talked about in today's show. We just got done talking with Jay Zawoski, scores hockey expert. And this confirms Corey Crawford and Mike Smith will be in the nets for tonight, today's playoff game. It's afternoon in Edmonton. Corey Crawford gets the start for the Hawks. Mike Smith gets the start for the Oilers. The Hawks faced Mike Smith in 2012. Didn't yeah. go real well. With Phoenix, they, right? Yes, with Phoenix, them damn coyotes. So them damn coyotes. I am. Coyotes. Am I allowed to be looking forward to watching Connor McDavid skate? You should. I would. Thank I you. would. I, I would look forward to that. The Hawks have done a good job on him this year. Uh, Dry Saddle is going to be a whole other handful. I mean, you're talking about Connor McDavid, arguably the best player in the league, certainly the fastest, and and. Um, you've got Drysdale, who could win the Hart Trophy as the MVP. That's really a tough thing. They'll split them up. They'll skate them on different lines. They'll make the Hawks make decisions with some of their players. But 
ultimately it comes down to Crawford. If he's that guy, if he's Corey Crawford the way we've seen the postseason, then the Hawks have a great chance to win this thing. So, anyways, there's your starting goaltenders. The San Luis Cardinals are still waiting test results. The saliva tests, not all the results have come back. They have six members of their traveling party test positive so far for COVID-19. They've been isolated. Three of them are players, reportedly. The game Friday was canceled when this first popped up. There were more tests today, more positive results, I should say. There were more tests. And today's game was canceled. They were supposed to play the Brewers. They're scheduled to play a doubleheader, and actually it would be a twin bill of seven innings each, part of baseball's new agreement that was scheduled for tomorrow. So far, that's still on, and uh, Carl Ravitch reported that Rob Manfred said, we're still playing baseball. The players have to be better. We're going ahead with this. So that's where they are on this. Mark, we didn't talk about, I mean, Rob Manfred's plan, the baseball's plan was not, I don't think you let, I would never have let athletes, managers, I would never have let it go so far as they did in expecting teams to enforce, to have strict Lori Lightfoot-like guidelines. I would have made sure if I were the commissioner of this league that that's the way it came down. Every team, every player, there would be a uniform, strict, the, the kind of discipline that you see NBA, well, outside of Lou Williams, but the NHL is a better example. If you've not seen any of these kind of stories, while well, in the bubble, um, I don't, I know it's on the players. They should have that, should have taken it seriously. They, the Marlins especially, didn't. And and I think Rob Manfred has a point, but I think it starts with him. If you're in charge of this whole business, don't you think the commissioner should have made sure? Don't leave anything to chance in these this chaotic new world. There should have been something the commissioner should have stressed. Yeah, but I I also think that like if we're gonna play the who deserves more blame thing, I do think it is more on the players at this point, and maybe shame on us for assuming that twenty two to twenty five year olds would be able to follow you know protocol yeah. and divert from things like spit because you see guys spitting still, you see guys embracing yeah. the whole the whole thing. So I am more on the players than I am on Rob Manfred in this case. I do not think that this season will be canceled. I do think that the 60 games will be played or maybe maybe a few fewer than than 60. I you know, I I said it to you before the show started that this is like with what Rob Manfred was putting out there last night about, you know, warning TV stations to have alternate programming ready to go, contacting Mitch <laughs> Rosen and telling him, hey, man, you better get your best of the score rocking and rolling, buddy, because there might not be. That was Manfred's warning that he's serious. And it, it was kind of a hybrid bluff. Like, it's just like, look, guys, I'm serious about this. I'll turn this car around. But he's not going to the games will be played and because if they were going to shut it down, they would have shut it down when all this stuff happened with the Marlins and they would have shut it down today if he was serious. So yeah, they're they're If you need to hear this, there will be baseball. Okay. All right. And 
We didn't even get a chance to talk. I'm so mad. I really wanted to just carve up Dusty Baker for for what he said after the, the Astros deservedly. They they Joe Kelly kept missing them. And Joe Kelly got suspended for eight games. And Dusty Baker just sounds like a, a tool. And I just I wanted to carve him up and I'll save that for next week. But I did want to share this. The day after Joe Kelly knocked some Astros down, the cheating Astros, Dylan Floro struck out Astros cheater Jose Altuve, struck him out looking on a 93-mile-an-hour fastball. Dodgers announcer Oral Hershiser said, guessing is harder than knowing. Mm. <laughs> I love that. I Good love for that. him, but man. I, Dust, I, uh, Dusty I know just we... sounds awful what i know i know we gotta wrap up but i keep i keep forgetting dusty is is the manager in houston i keep forgetting like that just like it doesn't make sense to me but hey god bless well we'll get to that next week it may be the only baseball we could talk about or we might have much more baseball to talk about about your front-running cubs and white Sox, who both won on the same day yesterday so we want to thank everybody listened called nobody called Everyone who texted, I want to thank all that. I want to thank Studs, the Trash Panda. Maybe I'll have an update next week on, on Wagner. And I want to thank Lamont Pope, Evan Altman, J.J. Stankovitz, and Jay Zawoski. And thank everyone who uh, took part in this. We are Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.